Hello everybody and welcome to our online service today. Um, my name is John Basson and I'm one of the pastors at Connect Church in Cape Town. Now this morning we are going to begin a new three-part series which we have entitled Breaking Point because we have realized that the COVID pandemic has had quite a big impact on people's lives um, over the past year. I think it's had an impact on people socially, this uh, thing of social distancing, unable to have physical contact with one another, often being forced to stay at home, is very unnatural for, for many of us and it's had an impact on our lives. It's impacted people spiritually. People, uh, Some people have grown tremendously um, during uh, this past year. Others have struggled hugely. And I think one of the struggles that, that many of us have had is, is not being able to worship together and fellowship together and just be together and encourage one another as God's people. It's affected uh, some people's marriages. Some people's marriages have grown really strong um, as a result of COVID and the time that they've been able to spend to, together. Families have been strengthened. But other people, where there have been some cracks in the marriages, that's actually exacerbated um, that situation. Um, it's also affected people because they've lost loved ones. People have, be, have, have caught COVID and, and got sick during, uh, during this uh, pandemic and, and it's affected them. It's affected them in, in many different ways, but there, there have also been those sadly, sadly, sadly who've lost loved ones, husbands or wives or family members that have, that have actually died during this and that's had an impact. And then of course, um, uh, the, the, the pandemic has had an impact on people's lives from a financial point of view. Now, the, the message this morning I have entitled Christianity, the COVID pandemic, and being content in all circumstances because it addresses the issue of the financial impact that this has had on so many people's lives. It's affected organizations, uh, NGOs and NPOs. They've been deeply affected because of the loss of funding. You know, people were reliant on donor funding for what they were doing and suddenly that dried up and they've had to adjust to that. Um, it's affected churches. I, I remember going to, um, last year, going to visit one of our pastors and, and, and I was asking him how it had been going for their church financially and how he was managing financially and shared with with me that over the past two months he hadn't even had a salary because there'd been no finances for the church. Um, the other people have lost their jobs, they've been retrenched, they've had to take a cut in salaries. That's happened to some people and it's affected people financially. And then there, there are many who've also been privileged where their needs have been met, they've still been able to earn an income uh, right through the pandemic and, and that's a real privilege um, that many of us have had as well. But in Philippians chapter 4, which is the portion of scripture that I want to focus on this morning, Paul is writing to the believers in Philippi and he's thanking them for the financial gift that he has received from them. But what he says is so un unexpected because he touches on one of the adjustments every Christ follower needs to make in their lives, especially when it comes to money. To finances, uh, the, the finances that we have 
at our disposal. And what he says is that all of us, but he speaks about this for himself personally, but I think by implication, this is for all of us. It's coming to the place of being content in all circumstances, which is really easy or really not as easy as it sounds. Um, but it's what enabled Paul to navigate times of need in his own life and times of plenty in his own life. It was this uh, where he had learned to be content in all circumstances. And you know, this is something that can be quite quite a steep learning curve to have an attitude to money where we are grateful for what we have and at the same time remaining dependent on God to provide for our needs. This is, I think this is one of the spiritual goals that each one of us should have for our lives. This coming to the place of being content in all circumstances. So let's read what he says in Philippians chapter 4, and it's from verse 10 through to verse 15. That's the portion of scripture that I'm going to focus on, and you can follow with me um, on the screen. He goes on, he goes on to say, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. What he means by that is that they had sent him a financial gift. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do everything who gives me strength. Now, what Paul is saying over here is quite profound when it's understood, because what he's suggesting, what he's suggesting over here is that it is possible to be in need and to be content at the same time. It's possible to be in need and to be content at the same time. And what he means when he uses the word content over here is that a person has come to the place where they are totally dependent on God to provide for their needs. And while he may use people, he is actually their provider. In other words, this Paul is saying, I wasn't this way when I first got saved. It's, it's something that he had to learn to do. And it's something I, I'd like to highlight this morning in the message is he says, I've learned to be content. There was a, a, a learning curve uh, that he's been through. And, uh, and you know, I, a, a little while back, I think about two years ago now, I, I started to learn to play the guitar. And, you know, it looked so easy right up front. But when I actually sat down and started to try and put my fingers on the right frets and on the right strings and get the right chords, I found it a whole lot more difficult doing it that, uh, than looking at somebody else who was, uh, who was a seasoned guitar player. I looked at them. They made it look so easy. When I sat down, I found it incredibly difficult. But over the past years, I've been through a learning curve. And as I've been through that learning curve, I've discovered I've grown in my ability to play. I've become better and better um, at playing uh, the guitar. And when Paul talks about learning something over here, he's speaking about a learning curve that he has been through in his own life. Remember, Paul is writing from prison. And in those days, the state didn't look after prisoners as it did in our day. You had to be looked after by your family or by friends or uh, by people from the church. Fellow Christians would come and look after, after you. And what Jesus had taught his disciples 
about God providing for their needs were not just some Bible verses that Paul knew. It was something he was putting into practice when he prayed. It was something he was putting into practice when he found himself growing worried. It was something he put into practice when he was hungry and when he was in need. And we read the teaching of Jesus to his disciples as he was discipling them in Matthew's Gospel and chapter 6, part of the Sermon on the Mount. Therefore, he says, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? And I found many people have found those words, do not worry, quite difficult, especially in times of need. He goes on to say, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? A question that he asks. And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, or tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? And then he, he again says, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you as his child need them. And here's the I think probably the most important part of what Jesus is, is teaching. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. That's where the focus is to be. Seeking his kingdom and his righteousness. And all of these things will be given to you as well. That's almost the precursor to our needs being met. That we are seeking first his righteousness. Seeking first the kingdom of God. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself each day has enough trouble of its own. And you know, the only time we are able to really learn this lesson of being content in all circumstances is in the circumstances themselves. Uh, when things are tough, when we are struggling, that's when we are able to learn to be content. It's really uh, difficult to learn that theoretically. It's actually going through that. It's, it's in times of plenty that we, we learn to be content. That's why Paul said, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And it's so there's a sense in which he went through that learning curve in those times of need, in the moment. And I think it's one of the things, as we prioritize them, one of those things uh, that we will be able to do as well. But that's only one side of the coin is that he's saying that it's possible to be in need and to be content at the same time. But the other side of that coin is that it's also necessary to be content in times of plenty. It's necessary to be in content in times of plenty. He said, I've learned the secret of being content, whatever the circumstances, whether well-fed or hungry, 
whether living in plenty or in want. And, and, and this was important for the Apostle Paul, learning to be content in times of plenty because he never wanted to come to the place of losing out on the privilege of trusting God in all circumstances. It was one of the privileges for him to, to be able to trust God in every season of life. You know, this is an area in which the disciples had learned some valuable lessons when Jesus was actually discipling them. You remember in the, the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000, they discovered what God is able to do with very little. Remember, there was this massive crowd and, and Jesus asked his disciples to feed them. In a sense, the Bible tells us he was testing them. He wanted to see what they were going to do under those circumstances. And they began to discover through that whole experience, the way in which God is able to provide through very little, provide for the needs of people through very little, you know. And, and I think that's addressing a really important issue in our lives because often we feel comfortable when there's a lot. But sometimes God does amazing things through very little, even in things like loaves and fishes. And in Mark chapter 8, um, Jesus' disciples go through a very interesting experience with them because he's warning them about the yeast of the Pharisees and the yeast of Herod. And what he's really warning them about is the influence of their lives and their teaching and what, what they're saying. But they totally misunderstand Jesus and they think Jesus is addressing the issue that they've forgotten to bring bread with him. And listen to, to what it says. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another and they said, it is because we've got no bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked him, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They answered seven. He said to them, do you still not understand? And what he's trying to get through to them, don't you remember the way in which I was able to provide? So now why are you worrying about whether you've brought bread or not. Turning water into wine was, was a, another lesson about the ability of God to meet our needs, whatever they are. Remember in, in John's gospel, Jesus goes to a wedding feast where the wine runs out and he does this one of his very first miracles of turning the water into wine. You remember that massive catch of fish when the disciples had been fishing all night and they came back, they'd caught no fish. Jesus sends them out. He says, cast the net over the other side and they get this massive catch of fish. And he, there was a lesson in that. He was, he was teaching them of what God is able to do when he instructs us to do something. You see, these were all very important discipleship lessons that they were learning. Uh, when it comes to God's ability to provide. And I think one of the exciting things for us as Christians is our ability to be content and to trust God as our provider in all circumstances. Over the past two years, 
Um, our church, Connect Church uh, in Cape Town, has been assisting uh, with the, the building of the Arari Church. We've been helping them to um, erect a building in Kailicha. And, you know, right at the beginning of this year, we found ourselves, we found that we had run out of money. In fact, the, the project looked like the project was going to come to a grinding halt, and it was far from finished. And so we made the need known to our church. We made the known this need uh, known to our people. And it was amazing to see the way in which People responded to this. In particular, one individual gave us quite a significant gift that, that really covered the majority of the outstanding expenses. But I want to say to you, this only happened because people were being obedient to God. And at the end of the day, we have to say, while people gave generously, God was our provider. And you know, while people gave generously, it's God that made this all possible. Trusting God for all of our needs in all circumstances is, I think, is the goal that we must be working towards. And, and it's a goal that we will, we will find ourselves reaching when we prioritize this as an important part of our spiritual lives. Learning to be content when there are times of need, but also, as I've been sharing with the importance of being content, even in times of plenty, they are both important in both circumstances, not just uh, when we're in need. Now, there's something else that we mustn't miss in what Paul is saying over here. What he's saying is that almost every day, there will be opportunities for us to examine our hearts. He writes, and I, I read again, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you've renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to, to show it. So that's how they were responding. They'd send him this gift. But he says, I'm not saying this because I am in need. And, and isn't it true that in each and every situation we find ourselves, there is an opportunity before the Lord to examine ourselves? Whatever situation you find yourself in, there is an opportunity to see what's really going on in your heart, for me to see what's going on in my heart. And you see, for Paul, money was not the big issue. It's what's in people's hearts or what was in his heart that is the focus. You see, being content is actually a heart issue. It's got to do with where my heart is at. In times of need, Paul wanted to be able to be content. In other words, what he was saying, in times of need, I want to be able to look to God. I want to be able to trust God. And that's a very important part of the Christian life. Uh, in, in times of plenty, he wanted to keep trusting God, to not to rely on money. But the Lord who was his provider through people. That's really what he's saying. And, and, and the, there's almost a sense you get when you read these verses, it almost sounds like Paul is a little bit ungrateful for the gift. And that's why he keeps reassuring them that he is so grateful. But he's really wanting to teach them the spiritual lesson of learning to be content and an important lesson uh, that he had learned in his own life. You remember what, what God has said in the Old Testament about some of the times of need his people had faced in the wilderness. You find this in Deuteronomy chapter 8 where God very specifically addresses some of the times of need and what they were learning in those times of need or what he wanted them to learn. Let me read it for you in Deuteronomy chapter 8 verses 1 to 3. Be careful to follow 
every command that I'm giving you today, says the Lord, so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your forefathers. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years. And then he goes on to say to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. In other words, he is saying that this time for them, the 40 years in the desert was a time of testing uh, that they were going through. And God was wanting to see what was in their hearts, whether or not they would obey his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so here's God. He's allowing them to go through this desert experience. They, In a sense, they're being tested through this very experience. And God is beginning to see what's in their hearts. They're beginning to see what's in their hearts through this whole experience. Do you remember that these are the very same scriptures that Jesus quoted when he was hungry and when the devil tested him and tempted him in the wilderness in Matthew's gospel and chapter four. The, de the devil comes to him, to him and says, if you're the son of God, say to these stones that they should become bread. And Jesus responds from these very same verses in Deuteronomy chapter eight and verse three. He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You see, his faith and trust was in God to be his provider. You know, each time we receive our salary or we, have, we see our needs being met or uh, we receive some money, there is an opportunity for you and for me to thank God for his provision. Every time God answers our prayers for provision, we have an opportunity to thank him for his goodness towards us. You remember in, even in the Lord's Prayer, when the disciples came to Jesus and asked him to teach them to pray, one of, one, of, one of the prayers he teaches them to pray is give us each day. We want, I want you to pray each day that God will meet your needs. And, and, and I think the, the whole point of that prayer is whether you're in need or whether you have plenty, always trust God to be your provider. You know, when there, there is great need, which many people have been through through the, the, the COVID pandemic, there is an opportunity to pray. There is an opportunity to fast that God and fast that God will provide for us because we are his children. And, and, and again, I want to stress, this is a, a learning curve all of, us, all of us go through. Paul, it's something that, that he learned. It wasn't there right in the beginning when he first got saved, but it's something that he, he gave attention to, obviously prayer and, and, and gave it a lot of attention in his life so that he would always have his focus and trust on God. But perhaps some of the most valuable lessons that we need to be reminded of in Philippians chapter 2 is that it's only through Christ that this kind of contentment is possible. It's only through Christ that this kind of contentment is possible. Paul says, I can do everything or all things through him who gives me strength. And, you know, we discover that living like this, having the ability to keep trusting God in all circumstances is possible because of the Holy Spirit.
He's saying, I have an inner resource. I have the enabling of God in my life. It's God who's enabling me to live in this way. And to me, that's a huge thing because contentment isn't a feeling we get. Contentment is an inner disposition where we choose to keep trusting God and relying on God in all circumstances. And you know, there was a time in my life where I thought this contentment meant I sort of got this feeling that where everything was kind of going to be okay. And then I've, I've started to realize contentment's way more than that. Contentment is my inner disposition where I keep choosing. I keep choosing to trust God in all circumstances in my life. You know, I think this is something that we see that was happening in the early church, the way that people were responding to the needs of others around about them. People had a generous spirit. People were being generous to one another because fundamentally it wasn't about money. It was about a sense of contentment that existed where people were trusting God and relying on God and at peace with God about money and things like that. In Acts chapter 2, let me read it to you again. It says that all the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. And isn't it interesting? That's in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 4, Luke, who's, who's writing Acts here, repeats that in a sense. He wants us to take notice of what was happening in the church. In, in Acts chapter 4, verse 32, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything that they had. And I've often wondered in Acts chapter 5 if it wasn't if it's not significant to notice the way in which God dealt with Ananias and Sapphira. Have you noticed the way in which he dealt with Ananias and Sapphira? Uh, because they pretended to be way more generous with their money than what they actually were. And I think it's maybe something that we need to take note of in, in the light um, of this message. Coming to the place of contentment is a learning curve we will all go through as we stay focused on this, as it, as it is uh, one of our goals. You know, in the culture that we're living in, there are things that we need to guard our hearts against, an attitude to money and possessions that we need to guard our hearts against. You know, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24, no one can serve two masters. And, and he's talking about serving God and serving money. He says either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And he's, there's a sense in which he's, he's giving to his disciples a warning. A warning that, that we're either going to be serving one or we're going to be serving the other. And when he uses the word mammon, you cannot serve both God and money or God and mammon, which you'll find in, in some of the translation. Mammon is more than money. He's talking about the spirit behind it, the spirit behind that that can influence and affect uh, our lives quite a lot. And that's what he's wanting people to be alert to. So in this journey, and just to, to kind of begin to wrap up now, in this journey that we've been through over the past year where, where COVID has impacted people's uh, financially in different ways, 
Some have been in incredible need. This has created incredible hardship for them. Other people have, have found themselves having to deal with less than what they used to. Others have, have been comfortable and, that, and they, they've, they've been able to have their needs met, met right through uh, this, this time of COVID. In a sense, nothing as much has changed for them. But in all of those circumstances, Paul said, the way that I navigated these kinds of situations in my life, the place where I found help and the place where I found hope is, is, is being content, is, is discovering that God is enabled me to be content in all circumstances. You know, over this past year, I've been so privileged to see levels of generosity in our church that I can only describe as being from the Lord. People, you know, people have responded in similar fashion to the Philippians. They, they were aware of Paul's needs. They, they, they wanted to make sure that they were reaching out to him in very practical ways in, in providing for uh, his financial needs. And I've seen the same thing happening during this past year, you know, where people have given so generously to the needs of those around about them, to projects that we've had, to our missionaries. This morning, I want us to be aware of the fact that this a message like this has to be very practical in nature. This isn't just about um, us being content, but it's the way in which contentment affects what we do. And, and it's always interesting to notice that what's going on in our hearts affects our behavior. It affects our attitude. Uh, it affects what we do with the resources uh, that we have at our disposal. Have you noticed that, that Paul placed a lot of value on people being generous, Christians being generous, and the impact that that would make for the gospel, the impact that that would make um, on people's lives, how, how even a watching world would see how God's people responded to one another uh, when there were needs. And uh, he gives some very practical advice to the Corinthian church. He speaks about them setting aside a little bit of money each week and an offering being collected that ultimately was going to go to the believers in Jerusalem who were going through uh, very difficult times financially. But to me, the, probably the most important thing he says is we find in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he says, this service that you perform, the service of being generous and giving to one another in terms of needs, is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. And you know, when our hearts uh, are in that place where we are content in whatever circumstances, it's amazing how people respond to the needs of others around them. He goes on to say, because of the service by which you have proved yourself, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else in their prayers for you. Their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given to you. Paul's again recognized people are praising God when they, when they receive this supply for their needs. Uh, Paul recognizes this is God who's at work, the grace of God that's at work in, in, in the lives of, of the Corinthians. And then he finishes off by saying, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. What's the greatest gift of all? It's the gift of his son Jesus for us. Now, as we learn to be content, it becomes evident 
in the way we live. It, it is. You'll discover it affects the, the way that you and I handle our money and our resources. It will affect our relationship with God himself. And it will, of course, impact the lives of other people who begin to see God's provision through his people. But ultimately, Paul says the goal is for people, for you and for me, to trust God in all circumstances and to be content in that. We can do everything through Christ who gives us strength. Now, what I thought I'd like to do um, as I wrap up um, today is to pray for, for you. There may be people who are watching today who, who, or who are listening today who, who've experienced deep financial need. Um, and it's affected you. Um, it's, it's, I know of people myself that have, have been quite fearful because they haven't even had the, the means to put uh, food on the table or to pay their rent and, and just basic needs like that. And, and maybe you found that this has been quite an overwhelming experience for you. Now, there may be others that have had to take significant salary losses or, uh, or adjustments or, or people that have lost their jobs. There may be others over here who've had more than enough. You've had the plenty that Paul um, is talking about. Yet at the end of the day, your deep desire is to keep trusting God, to see God as your provider, to keep trusting him, whatever the, the circumstances that you find yourself in. And I, as I was sharing earlier on with you, this is possible through the Holy Spirit, through God's enabling in our lives. And uh, it's, it's a learning curve we go through, but it's also a learning curve as we learn to rely on God and God's enabling in our lives. So what I'd love to do this morning is to pray for you. And I'd like to pray for you um, if this is an area where you're saying, Holy Spirit, will you enable me? Holy Spirit, will you enable me to be content? I want to just learn to put my trust and my faith in you in the situation that I'm going through right now. Lord, I, I, you might be saying, I'm in deep need. I, I'm feeling distressed because of my need today. And yet we want to pray that God is going to give to you a supernatural ability and enabling in the situation you are to learn to be content. There, there may be others where you just where there is sufficient and where you haven't had a, a conscious need uh, when it comes to finances. But, but you're saying today, you know, I want to make sure my attention is on the Lord. I want to keep trusting God, irrespective of what I've got and how much I've got. But I want to keep trusting God. I always want God to be my provider. I always want to worship and praise God for his provision for me. And, you know, that's all possible through, through the incredible work of the Spirit in our lives. So shall we pray together? And if I may, just to pray for you. If where you are, you may just want to stretch out your hands, palms uplifted. It's that attitude of receiving from the Lord. And all, it's, I'm always so grateful for what God is doing in me by His Spirit, the work that God is doing in my life. And so, Father, I want to really uh, come to thank you this morning uh, for the way in which you enable us to, to be the kind of people you want us to be. And Lord, there's no more practical way than, than, um, than the, the area of money and finances and our needs being met. Lord, you know that so much seems to, in the world we live in, so much seems to revolve around money, how much we have, how much we don't have, how that tends to determine so many of, uh, so much of the way we feel, our, our sense of well-being even. And Father, I want to pray for people who've, who've grown up in a situation where they've really been deprived or where there's been lack. And Lord, that's created quite a lot of fear for them. And, uh, and today, Lord, I want to pray that in Jesus' name, that that may be broken. 
that fear of lack, that fear of not having. And Lord, for many, for some people, that's been for years and years and years. But Lord, I want to pray that today they might begin to experience the ministry of the Holy Spirit in this particular area, where they'll be able to say with Paul, I can do all things. I can do all things. And Lord, really for us to, to be ministered to by you today. Where, Father, where people uh, week after week are going through financial crisis, I really do want to ask you that they will be able to find that contentment, find that, that just the grace to trust you. And Lord, I mean, I don't, I don't even really understand the depth of that for some people. But Lord, I do want to pray for them. They are brothers and sisters, and I want to pray for them. I want to pray, Lord, for for those of 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 us who who have more than what we need. And Lord, we've been privileged over the years to have more. And I pray, Lord, may we be people who are also content because our faith and trust is in you. Lord, we're not relying on money. We haven't grown content because of money. But Lord, our contentment is in you. You are the one that satisfies our soul. You are the one that meets our deepest needs. And Father, I pray that that may continue to spill over into generosity. Um, Lord, you know, it's been a year where people have given a lot uh, and needed to give a lot. And Lord, I, my sense is that this may continue. I pray that you'll give us the grace to continue to, to be generous in that way, to continue to, to reach out to those around about us. And Lord, to see you continuing to supply our needs as we continue to trust you. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. And so may the Lord really bless you. And I pray that this message may really be a help to you as God uses his word to strengthen us in our faith.